Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan, and we have a special guest with us. We have Joy Scarcus. So, Joy, welcome to the program. Thanks, Jonathan. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, listeners, I got the the great privilege of of meeting Joy and her husband Zach um, back in early March, and it was at a uh, uh, sexual discipleship training summit that we were at with Authentic Intimacy and Dr. Julie Slattery and and um, it was literally like a week before everything started kind of shutting down with the coronavirus and everything. So I'm so glad that we still got to do that event, Joy. But it was really nice, just a great time to meet you guys and a lot of the other, a lot of other folks from around the country too that are in this space of ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a great, perfect timing for that to happen right before it all shut down. And it was a really cool time for you because you were making a transition. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about like what that was like and, and what you're doing now with Authentic Intimacy? Yes, it's very exciting. So I'm the new director of discipleship with Authentic Intimacy. I had been doing sexual wholeness ministry since 2013, but it's always been more of a part-time thing, just my passion. And so I've been praying for a door to open. And so this was a huge answered prayer just to join the amazing team at Authentic Intimacy. Yeah. And one of the reasons, uh, I mean, there's lots of reasons why I would want to have you on on the program, but one is because of your own story, just kind of the things that you have been through, the, the, the personal story that you have and how that fits into this space of ministry. And so I would love it if you'd be willing to just share some of your story of, of your own journey um, dealing with sexual issues and, and abuse and things of those nature of that nature so that our listeners can kind of get to know you. And then I'd, I'd love to then hear some, some of what you would have to say to help those in our audience who may be able to connect with your story. Yeah, that'd be great, Jonathan. And I just think it's so cool that God has used my story to kind of give me this passion to help others, especially women that have gone through similar things as me. So my story kind of starts um, in college. Growing up, I went to church, but I didn't know God wanted a relationship with me. I didn't know that God loved me. I thought I had to earn his love. And so that resulted in me trying to be perfect, failing, um, and just always seeking to be loved. I just really wanted to be fully known and fully loved by somebody because I didn't know God loved me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that resulted in a lot of just relationships um, that always left me feeling more broken more empty. So I go to college, I'm in a new state, no friends. um, And on my third day in college, I was raped. Mm. And that just sort of brought me to this place of brokenness and asking God all these questions like, do you love me? Did you why do you let this happen? Was it my fault? Just all these like, big theological questions. And, um, but The cool part was when I graduated high school and since I was in a church, they sent us away with these Bibles. And so for the first time ever, I opened up God's word and just started reading it thinking, well, there has to be something in here that can bring me some sort of healing from the pain I was experiencing. And at that same time, someone on my floor invited me to crew a college ministry. And it was at crew that the first time the gospel clicked where I knew that God loved me and I didn't have to earn his love. And I heard about grace. And um, so it was through that I began meeting with crew staff 
and she just sort of helped me process the abuse and begin to find healing. And, um, but during this whole time, I just struggled with a lot of shame, sexual shame of what was wrong with me because I had all these sexual desires and questions and uh, growing up, no one talked about sex. It was just this like secret thing. And so I had all these questions and no one to really ask. And that led me down to Googling my questions, which led me to pornography. So here I was a freshman in college, uh, newly saved, just went through this trauma um, and now I'm addicted to pornography and masturbation. And I had so much shame and all these secrets. And I was getting discipled by a crew staff. And so eventually what the turning point was in all of this was I went to a women's night. And it was there I heard someone go first. And she shared her story of how she had struggled with pornography and masturbation and, and found freedom. And it was through that that I finally got the courage to like share my story. And I like to say it was, it, I got the gift of going second because mm. someone was brave enough to go first. I got to go second. And so now I just like to be that voice for other women. I like to go first for them so that they can go second too. Mm -hmm. So, wow, there, there's so much to unpack there. I mean, so much happened in that season of your life. Can we try to just maybe, um, I'd love to, I'd love to focus on a couple of areas in particular, like when you're talking about, you know, having faced the trauma of, of a sexual assault, um, how, and then, and then to so, it sounds like so soon after, like be introduced to Jesus and be, was there a part of you that maybe felt like, I, I just need answers to relieve the pain, or I just need answers to get away from the memory or whatever. I mean, what was it like to have all of those things kind of going on at once? Because I mean, a, a sexual assault is a trauma at, at the most, at the deepest level a person can experience. And then to bring faith and bring, bring Christ into that, I think some people make this assumption that, oh yeah, yeah, you know, we come to Christ so that all of our problems get erased. And that's not actually true, is it? No. So can you share with us what that looked like in terms of healing, not simply like, okay, Jesus, quote unquote, fix me. Right. Yeah, that's a great point, Jonathan, because healing doesn't happen overnight. And it, I mean, I still am triggered randomly, random times now, and it's years removed. Um, but that year was an intense, special year because so much happened. But meeting Jesus so intimately, um, experiencing his love for the first time as I'm walking through all this craziness was such a, a gift. Um, but I really think, yeah, like you said, it didn't happen overnight. Um, it took years and it still comes up today. But some of the biggest, um, I think the most important factors in it was talking about it. So I met weekly with um, this, this crew staff woman and we talked about the trauma. And then eventually when I brought out the a sexual addiction, we talked about it weekly um, and that really helped to take away some of the shame that I was feeling and to just bring in prayer and Jesus and um, her partnership in that. Now, for somebody who, you know, you said you were this person that had grown up and 
and really had lots of questions, right? <clears throat> had lots of questions about God and, and, and that deep longing that is actually inside every human heart to be known and to be loved. In other words, to be, to be embraced where, it's, where you know it's a safe place. So tell me, tell us what it felt like to have this counselor, to have this crew, um, you know, minister, ministry leader, to bring you in to a space where you could talk about these things and there weren't negative repercussions for talking about. Can you just tell us what that felt like for you? Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, to feel, to finally feel like something wasn't wrong with me for having these thoughts and these questions and to feel known in that way. And also a cool thing is this leader also had experienced um, some different sexual trauma and addiction. And so to, to know someone else struggled too, um, it just, yeah, to realize you're not alone in it. That's a game changer. Now thinking back on, on kind of the environment that these people were creating for you, what would you say were some of the important factors that, that, that were part of that environment. Like if you had to think of, Hey, what were the, what were the key aspects to creating such a grace filled environment or such a welcoming and inviting environment, a safe environment? Can you think of some things that would be part of that, especially as you seek to minister to other women in similar situations? Yeah. And I, I was just so blessed because I think you could share your story with someone and get, a shame-based reaction of, oh, like a shock almost. I can't believe you did that, or I can't believe that happened. But I had women who met me with so much grace, like you said, and love. And so some of the things they did was just reaching out to me after we would meet, like if I would share something, then they would follow up with a text like, hey, thanks so much for sharing that. Just wanted to check in. How are you doing? Know that I love you. Know that God loves you. Following up with me was so important. Um, and it's really helped me want to be that kind of person to others. So now I lead a lot of online small groups, uh, Bible studies for women. One of ours, we're actually using your grace-based recovery book and creating that atmosphere too by encouraging the women to help them realize they're not alone. And then by going first, so I always share my mm -hmm. story first. I just create that sort of tone for the group. Yeah. And I was going to say, I think that, that is the thing that for those of us who eventually find ourselves where we've, we've gone into a recovery environment, we've gone into a place of healing to where we're actually starting to deal with these secret and broken places of our lives. I think the thing that is most arresting for all of us is when somebody else is willing to share their story. Because I don't know about you, but for me in my own history, um, one of the thoughts that would spin in my mind a lot is, is nobody could understand me. Like nobody's like me. There's no way that anybody could have had the same kinds of thoughts that I've had or experienced the same kinds of things that I've had, that, I, that, that I've done or that's been done to me. And I think when somebody else steps out into the light and says, you know, like you said, I'll go first. Then you realize, Oh my goodness. It, it like, it just sort of arrests a lot of those questions and those thoughts that you've had in your mind. Is that some of what your experience was like? The fact that some of these people were willing to share their own story. And what was that in terms of a draw for you to then step in further? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this was the first time at that, that women's event, that was the first time I'd ever heard a woman say the words pornography and masturbation. 
I had assumed up until that point that only men struggled with it. And because of that, that brought even more shame on me because I'm a woman and I'd never heard anyone talk about it. And so that's actually, as I was walking through that healing, what made me first begin writing and creating resources for women because I just didn't want other women to feel alone or that something was broken about them um, as a woman. Um, And another part of it too is I had to get to the point where I actually wanted to be free. So, and to go through the hard work of it. So I, it was the first step of hearing, you know, people tell stories and, and realizing, wow, like I can be free from this. She's free from it, but I had to get to the point where I wanted it. And so just a, a quick story is I was in college at the time living with, Um, a bunch of girls in an apartment and I had my own room, but we kind of had a common area. And so I decided, you know, I'm just, I'm to the point where I will do anything to find freedom from this. And so I took the doorknob off my bedroom door because I didn't deserve or couldn't even handle any privacy. And so just, I had to get to this point of like full surrender. And the coolest part of all of it was it started conversations in our apartment where girls were like, why did you do that? Why did you take that doorknob off to find out that others struggled too? And it created this sort of community atmosphere, which mm. was a huge blessing. That's good. As you're saying that, it makes me think about how, you know, um, one of the things in recovery environments is we, we have to ad- ad- admit that half measures don't get us anywhere, right? You don't heal from half with half measures. You you can't like keep one foot on one side of the fence and try to live on the other, and uh, and I love that. I think I think a lot of people need to hear that that are that are they're riding the fence right now and they're saying I want to try to still be in control of my addiction, but I don't really want to take drastic measures. So let let me talk. Let me have you talk a little bit about maybe some of the differences between healing that is necessary for something that has been done to you and the recovery that comes from the willful actions that you take in your brokenness. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm, Because I don't think those things, well, there may be some overlap there. There's also distinctions, right? Because what's done, what's, what was done to you, it's not your fault. You did not choose that. That is not something that you enacted your will in order to be part of the pornography and those other things, while I think there can also be a, uh, an argument made that, that that brokenness got dumped into your life as well, there's a point at which then your will got engaged and you were choosing to go in that direction. So can you talk about the differences a little bit about what healing yeah. mm-hmm. versus recovery might look like? Yeah, you're right. There are some key differences. I think one of the biggest things is forgiveness. So forgiveness kind of looks different in both situations, but it's important in both nonetheless. So with my trauma abuse, I had to forgive the guy who did it. Um, And that was a huge process. Um, I had to forgive kind of the school system and the whole process I had to go through. And I'm not going to go into details, but you have to share your story in front of all these people and relive the trauma. And um, there was a lot of anger there that I had to work through. And then with an addiction, which, yes, it was tied to my abuse because I, it started by me Googling all these questions I had. But then it was my decision every time I felt sad or lonely that I was turning to these things. And so I had to then forgive myself. 
because mm. I started to get mad at myself. I can't believe I'm doing this again. I can't believe I can't get over it. I had to give myself grace. So I think that's one of the biggest differences mm-hmm. um, between the two. Yeah, and 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 I guess the other thing too is you you can't um, you can't offer a specific timeline for either journey, right? Exactly. Yeah, and I so think that's even, important for listeners to hear too. Is it's like, well, if you were to share what the timeline was in your life, that doesn't mean it's going to translate to somebody else to get through some of that healing and forgiveness and working through an addiction. Um, yeah. So even today, I'm three years. Um, into marriage and still triggered sometimes. So I'm still on accountability softwares on my internet devices just to be extra safe. And I want to hold myself to a standard as a minister. So I just love having that extra accountability. Um, And also even just an intimacy with my husband, sometimes a trigger will happen and I'll have a flashback to the trauma or my body will just react without even thinking of how it reacted with the trauma. So it's definitely something that I might be dealing with for who knows how long. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, um, let's talk about Jesus and hope and grace and community and some of those things that have, that have come out of this for you. Um, Because what I'd love for you to be able to do is, is speak to those women that are out there that maybe, you know what, they're, their issue, whether it's an abuse or whether it's an addiction or whatever, is still in the dark right now. Like, what would you say to them? What would you, how would you encourage those women who are still carrying those things in the dark? Yeah, that, that's a hard place to be. And the burden that you feel when you're carrying it in the dark, it just weighs you down. You're just through day to day, the depression, Um, And so I would just encourage you first to read some resources and some stories of other women that have gone through it. So on authenticintimacy.com, we have some blog posts that would just be really helpful for you so that you one, realize you're not alone and, and kind of have a starting place. And then two, I would just find a safe person. If you can't think of a safe person, begin to pray about it. Or, um, and when I mean safe person, someone who loves the Lord, Um, Maybe they're involved in a Bible study or a small group that you're in at your church. Maybe you could ask your pastor if they know a leader that they can recommend and you can be set up to talk with them. Someone safe that you can trust to share this with. Um, You could also join an online small group. We offer online small groups, online Bible studies, and that is with other women who have also gone through similar experiences. So again, you can feel like you're not alone, but taking one of these steps that might seem scary, might seem like, how could I ever take this step? Um, It'll really help you in this healing process. And what would you say specifically to um, the, the women who are carrying so much shame in association with whatever it is, again, whether it's an abuse or whether it's an addiction or something like that. I think I was just reading the other day that um, somebody had put it this way saying that like all of the negative consequences that come out of like pornography or addiction have their roots in shame. Mm -hmm. Like it it seems to be kind of like the bedrock of where all the, everything that could be negative that comes out of that is rooted in shame. So First of all, can you share a little bit about how what it looked like to overcome the shame in your own life 
and then and then anything you would offer to those ladies who are also really struggling with the battle against the shame. Mm-hmm. You're right, Jonathan. This is probably my biggest passion is freeing women from shame because I do feel like it is at the heart of abuse and addiction thinking. And when I say shame, what I mean by that is a simpler term is believing lies about yourself, Mm -hmm. believing that you're unlovable, believing that God would never love you. A person will never love you. And that something is just inherently wrong with you. So for sexual shame, for example, I thought that I was broken because I had these sexual desires and I was told you can't have those. You can't have that until you're married and the switch flip, the switch flips on and then you're supposed to have these sexual desires, which we know that God created us as sexual beings. And so this is natural, but it's what we do with them. But anyway, um, I love going back to Genesis and the story of how God says he created us as to be naked and unashamed. That was his design. Mm -hmm. But then the fall happens and shame enters. But the coolest part is what happens after that. So Adam and Eve, they're there, they're naked, they're cold, they're feeling this shame. But God doesn't just leave them there. He calls them. He calls them to him and he goes to them and he meets them there. And so I think the most important thing for us as we're struggling with our shame is realizing that that God wants us to have a relationship with him. He's calling Mm -hmm. us to him. Um, He doesn't just leave us there naked and shameful and cold. Um, So I would just really encourage women to to spend time with God and he can handle all of your pain. He can handle your, um, your questions. Like I was questioning like, God, why did this happen to me? He can handle that. And he can meet you there in that pain and in those dark moments. But I love what you're saying there. And one of the things I also love about that Genesis story is um, he replaced their feeble attempts to cover with a covering that he brought through a yes. sacrifice, which is the picture of Christ. Even, you know, it's the, it's, the, uh, it's the precursor to that picture of the sacrifice that would ultimately cover all of our shame and all of our brokenness. Um, but I love also what you're saying about how, how the, the, the answer, I guess you, I would say, uh, to the shame issue is really the presence of God. It's not so much, I think sometimes we have these questions and we're, we're so bent towards just getting an answer, right? And, mm-hmm. and an answer meaning like if you're sitting in a classroom and you ask a professor the question and you expect the professor to sort of just, well, now spit the answer back to me so now I can regurgitate it back to you. And what I love what I'm hearing you say is that the quote unquote answer that you got from God wasn't something that you necessarily could just regurgitate back to him. The answer was him. Like his presence is what was healing your life. His presence is what was removing your shame. His presence is what was breaking you free from your addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's so true. I think there are three things that really helped with my shame. And the one, like you said, is God's presence knowing his love, knowing I was loved by him. The second thing was being known in community. So that's like the, I'm not alone, the hot, you're no longer hiding, that kind of thing. And the third is having a biblical understanding of sexuality. And so I think those three things are really key to helping free uh, men and women from shame. 
So on that, I would love to spend the last few minutes that we have here um, maybe pointing uh, women to resources that can help specifically with that, you know, with having, you know, a biblical understanding of God's design with, with knowing how to, how do you step into a community? You know, what does it look like to connect with God and with others? Can you share a, a little bit about where women can go? Because I know that there's going to be a lot of women in our audience that they're going to be able to resonate with your story in some way. We know that there is a sadly a massive amount of abuse that has occurred against women sexually. We know that there are far more women that are addicted to pornography and masturbation than are than have stated it. You know what I mean? So we, so what? Where are these bridges that they can cross, and and where can these ladies get help that we can point them to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question, Jonathan. And, and I think my first step would always be to try and find that in a church setting through a small group, but sometimes small groups just don't have, um, sometimes churches don't offer small groups or maybe a, a person just doesn't feel safe talking about something like sexuality in a church setting, which makes online small groups a great resource. I've led groups through Pure Desire. They're a ministry that focuses on sexual addiction, and they provide amazing resources to help men and women walk through this. I know you at Be Broken, you have awesome groups for hurting wives. That's a great place. And then at Authentic Intimacy, we offer online groups as well. We also have our our podcast, Java with Julie, where we bring in different speakers and talk about these issues of sexuality. Um, so there's a lot of different ministries that are doing great work talking about these things um, that maybe churches kind of are just starting to have these conversations. Maybe there's a little fear, but I do think we're making big progress. I've seen a lot of churches starting to have these conversations, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. And I would say too, especially for getting that that biblical grounding um, and God's design for sex, Julie's book, Rethinking Sexuality, is a great place to get just kind of, hey, let's get our get our bearings with what is God's design for sex. It's not what you thought it was, but probably in terms of how you were raised, because I think most of us, even if we're raised in the church, we maybe had that purity narrative, or it was a very narrow understanding of sex. And if anything, it was seen as like, kind of like you said, mm-hmm. it's something that's that's either bad and wrong or just misunderstood. But when you get married, you know, you flip it on and everything's great. And it's like, well, that that's confusing to a kid, right? Right. Um, yeah, that's a great resource that we have. And another one, uh, another of Julie Slattery's book is Sex and the Single Girl. And that is a six-week small group study. You can do it on your own or in a group. And it also helps you understand the biblical narrative of sexuality as a single woman. And can you give our listeners the uh, website again where they can get all of these resources? Sure. Authenticintimacy.com. And you can find our blog there, our podcast, Java with Julie, and our shop link that has all of our books and resources there. Yeah. Well, we love partnering with you guys. Uh, We think that what you guys are doing at Authentic Intimacy is great. And Joy, let me just tell you, thank you for having the courage to go from going second to going first. And I appreciate you telling your story. I know it's going to open doors for a lot of other women in our audience who just needed that nudge. They needed that encouragement. They needed to hear a woman say porn and masturbation in the same sentence right. <laughs> so that they can have the courage. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. 
Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And listeners, we're always glad that you're with us. If you would like some more help, please reach out to us. We want to be able to point you to these resources that Joy's been talking about. And then, of course, just help you take your next step towards living out God's design for sexuality. Um, We look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.